Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Well, happy Friday, St. Louis, the day after Thanksgiving, and look who it is right there. It's Mr. Turk, Tom the Turkey himself, John Hancock. Hey there. Uh, happy day after Thanksgiving. This will be our 15th year on KMOX, uh, the day is that after right? Thanksgiving. Yeah. 15 years. Do you remember when we started? We were doing like traffic at the. Um, um, at the malls. Yes. We'd There's no have, such thing as a mall We'd anymore. have reporters out there at Chesterfield Mall. Yeah. And, uh, well, Roger'd be up in his little helicopter. In the helicopter. And he'd be down looking to a... say, look, you don't want to go over to the Galleria. Go over to, you know, uh, Jamestown Mall. Jamestown Mall. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, not a whole lot of uh, Black Fridayian going on out there. I guess there's some. Uh, we had... A report I heard on the news earlier that the Bass Pro Shop, there were some people out there early this morning. They were did you out. ever do that? Did you ever wake up early and go I get in line anywhere? No, yeah, no. Georgian did. Did uh, she? Georgian and, and my daughter did one year, I remember. And uh, they got up at 4.30 or whatever it was, and they, they hit the mall. And, and uh, But that's the only one I remember, and I was not there. Yeah. So You ever been in a Costco? Never have. Okay, so I saw on the web the other day... A Costco, and what they did is they must have had a, a table that was about 20 feet long, yeah. and they stacked pumpkin pies on it, Ugh. about four or five feet tall. Pumpkin pie. And they did a time delay camera of people taking these pumpkin pies. Yeah. It was unbelievable how many people are going and, you know, getting pumpkin pies. You're not a pumpkin pie guy. It's it's the most overrated pie in the history of pies. What, what are you pie. talking about? Well, you got it's pumpkin. What don't you like about pumpkin the, pie? The taste. Uh, so you don't like anything pumpkin? No. Have you ever had the pumpkin spice coffees? They, they force it on you out there, and you everywhere you go, you can't avoid it. It's pumpkin this and pumpkin that, and it's it's a conspiracy by the pumpkin growers uh, who have foisted this horrible thing on all of us. And really? It, we it starts with Halloween, and then boom. It's just I don't mind pumpkin fall. pie. I think it's good. Yeah, I don't you know, like I mean, it doesn't. I mean, how much of the pumpkin is actually in a pumpkin pie? Well, uh, enough. I, what do to, they enough to ruin? By it. By the way, what part of the pumpkin do they turn into a pumpkin pie? Is the, it the, the actual pulp, the pulp the, the stuff in the in the inside? Yeah, buddy. There's what, not much stuff on the inside. Well, that's why. That's exactly right. That's, There's no way they would have to almost cook the whole orange thing and turn that into no, pumpkin. No, buddy. They don't. They, nobody eats. Have you the ever carved meal? a pumpkin for Halloween? I have. Okay. So when you cut the top off yeah. and you put your hand in there, yeah. okay, say you got a, a pumpkin the size of a basketball. Yeah, you got goo You're seeds. lucky to get two two handfuls of nonsense. Exactly. Out, and they're going to make a whole pumpkin pie out of that? They do. No, I don't think you're well, right. Well, it's more than one pumpkin. I mean, there's, a pump, there's millions and billions of pumpkins out there. Yeah. And uh, that really have no reason to exist if you want to. You go, ever go pumpkin shopping? <sighs> yes. Like, uh, like where you went and cut it off a of vine? Yes. Oh, I have never done that. We just did it this last year with uh, the granddaughter. Oh, and so the pumpkin was on a vine, and it you was, went there and cut it off the vine? We did. How was it? It was fine. Did the granddaughter like it? She did. Yeah. And she. We had a little wagon. And what she, if she gets into pumpkin pies? Will you be okay with pumpkin pies? I then? would eat a pumpkin pie if she made it. Yeah. Uh, and I would act like Does I anybody did. really know? 436-7900. Does anybody, can you explain to us what part of the pumpkin it's goes the, into a the, pumpkin it's, pie? It's the, it's the, I think you're wrong. I think it's kind of like <clears throat> a squash. When they cut open a squash, they put it in the oven. No. And the part of the squash that you eat is the part that, that's up against the skin. It's not the inside with the seeds and all that part. It's the... 
I don't know what you'd call it. Um, you it's know, the pumpkin. It, it's the stuff that's around the edge of the on the inside edge. You pop, I, scoop that out. You don't eat the goo and the seeds in a pumpkin pie. No, because what they do, I think what they do with the pumpkin pie is they cut it open, and it's the actual part that butts up to the skin of the orange that becomes the pumpkin pie. Yeah. I'm sure one of That's our right. listeners yeah, but knows no, that It's is... not the stuff on the middle. It's not the no, gunk. No, it's not the goo. No. I, that's a, you're, well, you're the, changing your story now. I'm not changing my story. That's been my, my story gosh, from the like moment. You're like Donald I, Trump over there. It, I, I can't you, get you, you to pin down on you No, know, the goo and the seeds you don't make a pie out of. No, you can't. Yeah. No, it has to be yeah, the, 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 the thickness of yes, that's Yes, that's what I've been saying. But how do you do that? Like, what, Say you and I went and bought a pumpkin. Can we do that on our own? Could we go and make a pumpkin pie out of a pumpkin? Or well, all you got to so you've got to extract the... Stuff there, and then you got to throw it into a you know blender or whatever. Do we have a caller, James? Gino, 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 hey, Gino. Gino. Italian this, pumpkin nobody pie. Nobody knows more about pumpkins than Gino. Gino, welcome to KMOX. Hey, John. Hi, Mike. Hey, now, Mike, one thing you're right about it is it is the meat that is ground up and made into the pumpkin pie. Yeah. yeah. That's what I it's said. Not the stuff the seeds are all ground up in. No, and so, stuff. Yeah, the goo. That's so, Gino, you ever done this? Like, do you? What do you do? You cut over in a pumpkin, then you put it in an oven, and you bake it, and then take the stuff out and goo it up, or how do they do it? No, no, no. They 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 grind. They take the meat out of there. The meat. They puree it, and then they stick it in the oven. Yeah. And Boy. they add the spices, the cinnamon, and all the other stuff. Uh, now, why why do they call it the meat when there's no meat in the pumpkin? Well, what, what do you think that is up next to the skin? Yeah. yeah meat on your, or, hey, John. Yeah. John, there's meat on your bones. When you take your skin away, you got meat, don't you? Oh yeah, I got lots of meat. Well, more fat than meat, but uh, but yeah, but the, but the meat on the pumpkin is not meat. No. You, you gotta, but I think it's a description of the part of the pumpkin. So Gino, yeah, from, from your vegetarian standpoint, John, you, you can call it what you want. No. <laughs> Gino, did you have pumpkin pie yesterday? No, I had pecan pie. Pecan. Oh, now there's a great pie, but a it's a mi- it's a misleading pie because the pecans are on the top, yeah. but the gelatinous goodness. I don't think it has anything to do with pecans. I think it's just sugar and well, stuff in there. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what that is. Do you? No nougat. It's it's like the Milky Way. You got the <laughs> you know the Milky Way bar that whatever that the strain of nougat stuff is is what's in a pump is in a uh, well, pecan pie. Well, well, John, you're married to a Greek gal, isn't it? The same stuff they put in a body college. Oh, it is in the baklava. Yes, very, very so similar. So that's just sugar and stuff. And goodness. And goodness. Uh, Gino, have yourself. A, are you out there shopping? No, I'm headed to the office. Oh, Some of us gonna... have to work for a living. Exactly right. <laughs> Welcome to the crowd, Larry Gino. Well, you'll have you'll have plenty of room for yourself today at the office. I'm glad, sure. glad you guys enjoyed your hats. Yeah. Oh, you're the hat guy. Oh, Gino. Gino, the, the, hat, the guy. hat guy. I love my hat. It's, Thank you so much, Gino. My, my, it's sitting in my hat collection right now. Gino, please tell me you're an Italian. Full blood Sicilian. Yeah. Oh, oh Sicilian. Sicilian. And he knows a little bit about pumpkin pie. I don't yeah. think they make any pumpkins over in Italy. Uh, yeah, they got oh. pumpkins over there. No, but we know how to cook. Yeah, they, yeah, they do, do know, know how, how to cook. cook. I will. Get, Gino, truer words were never spoken here on the Voice of St. Louis. Thanks so much. Have hey. yourself a good day.
So, Have a great one, guys. Gino yeah. the Hat Guy. So, Gino the Hat Guy. Hey, boy, we've got a lot to catch up on today. You know, uh, for those of you who are regular listeners, we do our political segment nets. So, we'll step aside. We're going to come well, back. Well, we're not going to step aside yet because I, got... I haven't talked about what I came here to talk about this morning. Oh, John needs to get some uh, brownie points from his wife. So, <clears throat> if you can all indulge for a minute, he's going to tell us on how he was actually a contributor yesterday. So, we had... Uh... Ten people, roughly, over uh, at the house yesterday. Ten people. You had the big turkey in the pan there and uh, the mashed potatoes, and you had the green beans. You had the macaroni and cheese. Phenomenal. Uh, Did you make any of, of that? Of course, the stuffing. No. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, I don't know, five different pies. The cranberries and the cranberry relish. Pumpkin pie. And, uh, the, 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 the corn uh, casserole. Uh-huh. And the uh, what else? The sweet potato with the yeah, John, marshmallows. You, you, it sounds like your Thanksgiving was like every other human beings in America. Yes. Okay. And and it was over. Uh huh. And everyone left. They got up and just said, "I'm out of here." Threw their napkins on the table. In my kitchen. Uh huh. Were pots and pans the likes of which you've never seen before, Michael. For ten people. T- yes. Oh goodness. You and lots of leftovers that have to be dealt with. Yes. And 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 then the and the dining room table ah. and the kitchen table that was the extension of the dining room table, full of stuff. Did you pull out the Glassware. good china? Yes. So that you can't throw that stuff in the dishwasher. No. You got to hand wash it. Yes. Oh, please tell me more. For four hours, Michael. Oh, I cleaned. I could have ran a marathon in that time. I I put away. I moved the kitchen table back to the kitchen where it belongs. Uh, all of the glassware, all of the dishes, all of the pots, all of the pans, the, even the even the nasty thing that we put the turkey in that had all the glottis goo. The, yeah, Ugh. cleaned it all. Yeah, cleaned it all. Done. In the kitchen this morning, Tidied when I got up, up at five fifteen, I walked down. Smelled to the like kitchen, dawn. Hit the button on the cop- coffee uh-huh. maker that I made the night before the coffee. Right, right. And uh, after your four hours of work, uh, four hours, and yeah. the kitchen looked like the cleaning. Are you crew special had been needs in that you needed four hours to do the dishes of ten people? I think I could have handled that in about an hour. You could not. Four hours, John. You could not. I could have, have ran done. a marathon in four. You hours. could not have done what I did, and that's all I'm going to say. And that's all. But I'm it was say. only ten people, dude. Ten large people. Ten, uh, well, nine large people. If it took you four hours to clean, it must have taken four days to cook it all. It was uh, it was one of the most remarkable cleaning moments uh, that I've ever witnessed. Well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Hancock and Kelly rolls on after this with our political segment right here on KMOX. Work or play? KMOX is right there with you. We go where you go. You were cleaning so long yesterday. Yeah. That had I gotten on an airplane in Los Angeles, yeah. I could have flown to New York City you by the time you could have gotten done washing the dishes. Yeah. For uh, 10 people. It was, uh, you know. What, what, what were you, how were you getting the water from the uh, stream down the street and having to bring it up in buckets? The, the hot water uh, when you're cleaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got to be so hot. And then you got to put your hand in that stuff, you know, and... Uh, very dangerous activity cleaning like that. Wow. Uh, and the scrubbing and the scrubbing and the scrubbing and the scrubbing. And, you know, what I've noticed is that I'm such a good cleaner that when other people clean, especially these pans and yeah. pots, and they don't take the well, time to actually I can scrub appreciate what you're saying off. right now because I am one of those people that in, in my house, I, I don't know how it is at your house, but I'm, I'm by myself. Yeah. 
But I don't like it when other people like do my laundry or do my dishes because I have a particular place and way that I want the dishes done. Yes. And in particular, laundry. Now, do you do your own laundry? I or did laundry it last night. I, I in washed, the four hours? You yes, were, I had the laundry going on. Buddy, did you I, have a feather duster attached uh, to you too? I, you and just know, running around the house uh, dusting it stuff? Was, uh, it was impressive is all I can tell you. There's it no doubt impressive. about it. Which is, which is why I've got no grief at all about playing snooker this afternoon. Yes. Well, before we get into uh, the rest of politics. Let's deal with Donald Trump. Yesterday was Thanksgiving, John. As you'll remember, a couple of years ago, he tweeted out, uh, happy Thanksgiving, even to all the losers and haters. I do remember And, uh, you know, that got a little bit of chuckle because Donald Trump's a bit of an entertainer. Boy, yesterday morning, he got up and uh, just went off on a tirade. It was like 2.30 in the morning, right? Yeah, with, uh, you know, the world's just doing him wrong and He's the only person who can fix things, et cetera, et cetera. Well, he went off on uh, the judge in New York uh, on the fraud trial. The one that he's gagged on. Letitia James, the Uh the, uh, district attorney there, the attorney general of New York, and uh, as well as the the clerk of the judge, (laughs) Judge uh, Ingeron in New York. And, yeah, I mean, he's got a gag order specifically on those cases. It'll be interesting to see if uh, what the judge does in response to that uh, tweet. Hasn't the president, the former president, jumped the shark when it comes to this nonsense? I mean, everything's Apparently just not. a grievance. Everything is everybody's out to get him. Only he can fix it. I get it. There's a contingency inside the Republican Party that I, I guess would file follow him to the gates of hell. I have no idea. But... I just feel like the guy's jumped the shark. It's so predictable. We we know what he's going to do. Next, it's going to be these liberal Democrats and Joe Biden are waging a war on Christmas, and I can't put up my Christmas tree anymore. It's quite predictable, isn't it? Well, I will say that there is a very uh, appreciative audience out there uh, who likes the Donald Trump style. They like Donald Trump's policies. They like Donald Trump's aggressiveness. And it's a sizable contingent of the electorate. Not my cup of tea, but there is a sizable uh, group out there. And, and they tend to be folks that really don't like the political establishment at all. And a guy like Donald Trump comes along and speaks to that. I mean, you're seeing a, kind of at the junior high level of Vivek Ramaswamy appealing to that same voter base. And, um, you know, it, it may be sufficient to... It's. I think it's certainly sufficient to win a Republican nomination. It may be sufficient to win the White House. We shall see. Speaking of the White House, President Joe Biden facing uh, challenges with the young people. Democrats are in uh, strong need almost in every election cycle of young people coming out in support of them. Recent polling shows there's a disenchantment with President Biden, specifically as it relates to the Israel-Palestine um, conflict. On top of cost, et cetera, this is on the heels of the president forgiving uh, student debt loans, uh, making sure that uh, young people got their fair share finally in the COVID relief packages. I don't buy this nonsense, John, that uh, that young people are going to abandon Joe uh, Biden. What, are they suddenly going to jump on the Ron DeSantis or uh, Donald Trump train? I don't see it. Could they potentially stay home yes. and not vote? Yes. Maybe. But the consequences of the opponent coming in, uh, in any instance, any Republican coming in, not having anything uh, in line with those younger voters leads me to believe this is much to do about nothing. You feel differently. Well, you just put your finger on it. 
Yeah, uh, I'm not. I mean, you see the numbers and the young people saying they, you know, have an unfavorable view of Biden. You know, whatever. But you're right; they're not a, a bunch of 20 year olds that are going to go rushing to vote for Donald Trump. There'll be some, but not many. But the bigger problem that Joe Biden is going to have, and say whatever you want about Donald Trump, his supporters are passionate. They're going to show up and they're going to vote. And what Biden lacks is any kind of passion uh, amongst the electorate. And so uh, turnout is going to be a real problem, I think, for Democrats if they stick with Joe Biden. I don't think they're going to. I actually think the Democrats are in the middle of executing a plan that was hatched some time ago to, you know, gently remove Joe Biden from the equation and replace him with Gavin Newsom. That's what I think is happening, but I could be wrong. I was wrong. And I think think the other thing that's important for people to remember is these polls that are coming out are reflective of the entire population of the United States. Well, um, the four or five biggest states in the country don't matter. New York, we know that it's voting Democrat. Texas, we know that it's going for the Republicans. California, for the Democrats, etc. This race is going to come down to four or five states. Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, potentially Georgia, maybe North Carolina. I mean, I, I just don't see a lot of the nuances that we're spending so much time on. Oh, African-Americans are leaving Joe Biden. Oh, uh, you know, uh, common sense, practical Republicans are leaving Donald Trump. I think at the end of the day, John, when we get down to a binary choice and we're having this battle in these five or six states, this is all just good fluff for us to talk on the radio, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, although if you look at the if you look at the battleground states now, the Poll's been out for, I don't know, three weeks now. But uh, but for Wisconsin, where Biden was up by a couple of points, in every other battleground state, Donald Trump was winning. And he was winning in a two-way. He was winning in a three- or four-way when you put Robert F. Kennedy and uh, Stein, whatever her name is, uh, Jill Stein, the Green Party candidate, and you, you put some of that in the mix, and Trump was winning in every one of those battleground states. And so if you're going to focus, as you should, if you're really going to study the presidential election, if you're going to just focus on those half a dozen states, uh, that even doesn't look good for Biden. And that's why I think I think your your team would be well advised to make a, choice, a, a change there. Well, that would have to be a decision that the president of the United States would make. And uh, I know there's pressure out there. There's obviously options as well. The governor of California, the governor of Illinois, uh, potentially stepping in, a number of other folks that could do it. But it seems to me that if that plan were to be executed and there's some invisible hand that uh, is out there that's playing a role in these elections, it seems to me that this is a slam dunk that it's going to be Gavin Newsom's party. I think that's right. And I think the invisible hand is rather apparent for all to see. I think it's Barack Obama. And uh, and I think Obama is going to be uh, the guy that's going to deliver the bad news to Joe Biden that, you know, you, you can't run. And we'll see if it works, you know. Uh, there's no discipline in the Republican Party to be able to do anything approaching that. And we'll see if the Democrats are, are able to execute. But they, uh, no question in my mind that that's the plan. Well, many of you spent all day yesterday watching football, spending time with your family, trying to avoid talking about politics, I'm sure. Well, guess what? There's some football that will be on later today. 
You can listen to it right here on KMOX, or you can watch it on Amazon. This is fascinating, by the way. Michael uh, uh, brought my attention to this this morning. Unearthed some really interesting information as it relates to the broadcast of today's NFL game. You're going to want to stick around to hear about it after this on the new after the news on KMOX. Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly on News Radio 1120 KMOX. Well, it's as an American as pumpkin pie and turkey on Thanksgiving. What is that? That's football, John Hancock. The National Football League. In 2022, the NFL games averaged, the three games they had, averaged 33 and a half million viewers. That's a lot. That is a ton of people. The f- there were 42 million people in 2022 that watched the Cowboys and Giants. That's the most watched regular season game of all time. So football has become a part of Thanksgiving unlike anything before. But did you know that there's going to be a football game played today, the day after Thanksgiving, For Black Friday? For the first Friday. time ever, right? And who's putting it on? Is it... Uh, is it one of the big networks? No, it's the Pierce, the group that wants you to go shopping. Now, how has the world changed that Amazon, Amazon. wants you to uh, watch football on Black Friday? Black Friday. So listen to this. That's very interesting, actually. Well, on a holiday that's known for people leaving the house to go shopping, Amazon's betting on people staying at home and watching football but still shopping. John, did you know there's a Sports Broadcasting Act of 1961 that prohibits NFL games on Fridays after 6 p.m. Eastern and all day Saturdays during the fall? I did not know that. So it's what, an act of Congress? It's an act of Congress. This rule was implemented by Congress to protect high school and college football from seeing a decline in attendance. 1961, that's before you were born, Kelly. Yeah, because of the NFL. But... Amazon has found a way with the NFL to skirt those rules. Mm. They are paying the NFL $100 million to offer today's game on Amazon, which will take place at 2 p.m. local time. The Miami Dolphins against the New York York Jets. Jets. Amazon is allowing anyone to watch. Of course, Thursday night's first games, you have to be a member of Prime so that you can go on and watch. Uh But with today's game, you'll be able to go on and log on to Amazon, give them your information, and Uh you will have uh, an opportunity to watch the football game right there on Amazon Prime for free. The average uh, commercial on a Thursday night on Amazon is about $440,000. For 30 seconds. Black Friday Thursday ads. So today's game that yeah. starts at two a game two o'clock local eight hundred and eighty thousand dollars for an ad. For That's an more ad. than it costs to advertise on KMOX. But listen to this. Yeah. Amazon's also going to leverage a new ad strategy called ad audience based creative. Say what? This will enable brands to target different audience uh, segments with different ads in the same time slot. For example. Uh-huh. Bose, the speaker company, yeah. is going to have three different ads that they're going to use this new technology for. The first ad will feature Joe Burrow, who will be delivered to non-Prime members, so people who don't belong to Prime who Are sign they up get today. Joe Burrow. They're going to get Bose, John Burrow, uh... Joe Burrow, selling you a Bose speaker. Yeah. The other two ads will feature different products and will be shown only to Prime members based on their Amazon Prime search history. Whoa. 
And here's the best so part. So they're advertising, they're targeting you to advertise based on what you've looked for. On Amazon. Individually. Yes. That's incredible. These targeted ads will also be shoppable, meaning viewers can watch the commercial, place the product in their cart on Amazon, and and the click of a button, and check out without ever leaving the broadcast of a game. Wait a minute. So you're sitting there, you're watching a football game. Yeah. And there it is. It's the amazing uh, waffle maker. Yep. Yeah, you can you can pour your little waffle juice in the thing and mm-hmm. throw the little waffle maker in the whatever, and uh, boom, that pops a waffle, and it, it, you say, "I gotta have one of those." Yep. And so you'll be able to push a button I can right buy there, buy the waffle maker, wa- put while it into I'm your cart, watch it, and never leave the football. That's game. That's incredible. That makes Amazon broadcasts far more valuable, valuable than the typical commercial brands Not that will be let targeting. My wife watch the football game today. And many believe this will be a brand advertising revolution, and you could see companies like Amazon and Apple continuing to grow this going forward, forward with live sport. It only makes sense, right? I mean, most of us aren't watching television over the air anymore. Heck, we're not even watching it via cable. We're doing it via streaming. So you've already got that device in your hand. And, you know, how many times have you seen an advertisement on television and you thought, man, I'm interested in that. That'd be fun. Now at the click of a button, you'll be able to do it. It can be yours. That's pretty magical, huh? Wow. So people are going to be watching the football game, and the ad's going to pop up. It's a car. Yeah. You can buy the car right there. Boom. BMW. Send it to the house. Put the put the red ribbon on it. Wow. But what's crazy is is wow. that based on the fact that uh for instance, I have Bose speakers in my house. Do you? And so I occasionally go to look at Bose.com uh, or I get on Amazon to see what the latest Bose is. Because they'll they're be, supposed to be the best. Yeah, right? they'll I mean, be advertising like... specific Bose products to me because I'm an informed Bose viewer or uh, customer, but somebody who's not would be fed a different ad. That's incredible technology. Think about that for political purposes. Oh, I'm, that's exactly what I've been thinking about over here. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you can you can target your political ads to... Wow. Yeah, I mean, well, you well with this type of targeting, you'd be able to target to people who female their gender, their sex preference, their search uh, histories, their search histories. That's that's really remarkable. A hundred million dollars to broadcast one football game, and it, and they'll make it up in spades. I would think on the on the products and advertising, and you know, yeah. Amazon's going to come out smelling awful good on this thing. And so is the NFL, by the way, $100 million for a Friday afternoon game after Thanksgiving. Well, In violation of the 1961, what did you call it? No, it's thing? not a violation no. as long as they got the game started before Six. 5 p.m. No. Central, 6 p.m. Eastern. He's John Hancock. I'm Michael Kelly. When we come back, we're going to check in with Jeff McCausland. We're going to talk about the latest in the Israeli-Palestine conflict. We'll probably and get the uh, latest on what's going on in Russia and Ukraine That's as what well. I'm interested in is, is Ukraine because we just haven't heard much about what's happening in Ukraine. And later in this hour, we've got music from the Air Force Band, so you're going to want to stick around to Hancock and Kelly. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference, on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Happy Thanksgiving, St. Louis and surrounding metropolitan area. I'm Michael Kelly, and that's John Hancock. Uh, We've just gotten done celebrating one of the great American holidays. But, John, the world continues to roll on. Conflict in the Ukraine continues, and conflict in Israel uh, continues to take place. Let's talk to an expert. 
Let's do it. Colonel Jeff McCausland, CBS News military analyst, uh, retired Colonel Jeff McCausland, joins us this morning. Are you at home uh, near the battlefield at Gettysburg this morning, Jeff? No, actually, I'm en route to Brooklyn, New York, to have a late Thanksgiving uh, dinner with my son who lives up in New York. Nice. Well, you enjoy that, and thanks so much for taking some time this morning. So much focus, and rightfully so, on Gaza. Uh, and I've not seen or heard much about what's happening in Ukraine. We know that the funding for Ukraine continues to be a political football in this country. Uh, Russia continues to, to try and, and, and advance. What, what is the state of play right now in Ukraine? The state of play in Ukraine, uh, characterized by their chief of staff of their army, was close to being a stalemate. He even said in an interview to The Economist magazine that he did not expect a major breakthrough between now and the end of the calendar year. This time of year in Ukraine is also a very wet portion of the year, a lot of rain, early snows. Consequently, the ground will become very, very muddy, making it very difficult for heavy armored operations to continue. But I think as you mentioned there at the top, we have seen Russian efforts, particularly against a couple of locations, a village called Avdivka and another called Bakhmut, and in some cases just using mass infantry assaults and, as a consequence, taking very heavy casualties. Neither of these particular towns, to my mind, are of great strategic importance. I think they take off a lot greater political or symbolic importance, the Russians wanting some kind of a win. But as we come close to approaching the end of the year, and frankly, the onset of the second full year of this war, <clears throat> or completely the second year, I should say, uh, the Russians now have taken somewhere in the neighborhood, according to British intel, of over 300,000 casualties, probably 180,000 killed in action, the balance being wounded. The Ukrainians probably have two-thirds that many. So this has been a an unbelievably bloody affair. But you're right as well. In many ways, the top story right now about Ukraine may be in Washington, and that is concerned that the United States may not continue military assistance to Ukraine, making things on the battlefield tough, particularly for shortages of such things as 155 military millimeter artillery, which is fundamental to the uh, Ukrainian ongoing offensive operations. So the NATO allies are still uh, participating and supporting uh, the Ukrainian effort, and I do think there's a bipartisan majority in Washington that will continue to support Ukraine funding. The question is going to be the political question is whether they're going to have an opportunity to vote on it. Assuming they do, I think that funding continues. But NATO is still very much behind this, For I guess for the most part, right? That's uh, absolutely correct. I mean, there's a couple of countries, uh, Hungary and Slovakia, have recently announced that they're no longer to provide military assistance. Austria said they will provide assistance, but not military assistance, but their contributions were relatively small. In the last few days, we had a meeting in Kiev where the Secretary of Defense Austin was there to announce an additional $100 million in U.S. military aid. That was part of an appropriation made by Congress quite a while ago. Uh, but at the same time, the British, or uh, German, I should say, German defense minister was present and he announced that Germany would pr contribute about $1.5 to $2 billion in military aid to Ukraine beginning next year. So it does seem that the Europeans will continue to do so, uh, whether or not they can make up the slack if the United States totally drops out is more problematical. But I also think you're right. If it was actually brought to the floor in the House by the new speaker, I think it, 
a bill to provide aid to Ukraine and Israel and Taiwan, which is the package the administration has offered, would pass there. And in the Senate, I think would probably pass about 80 to 20. It's an amazing divergence. The Republican Party in the Senate being very strongly in favor of Ukrainian support, less so in the House of Representatives. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting uh, political time that we're all experiencing. That's no doubt about that. I find the inclusion of the Taiwan aid particularly interesting when you look at geopolitically what's what's happening. Uh, you've got Iran that's all in on supporting uh, Hamas and Hezbollah and various other satellites throughout Syria and Yemen uh, and Afghanistan. And you've got Russia, obviously, that's you know, pursuing its objectives in Ukraine, China looking at Taiwan. uh, There's just this convergence, it seems to me, between all of these interests that are aligned against the United States at a time. And I think the the aid to Taiwan is particularly interesting here, and it's historically significant. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it comes in the aftermath of this very important meeting between President Biden and President Xi of, of China, there on the periphery of the APEC conference in San Francisco, in which they tried to, if not improve relations between the two countries, at least find some kind of a floor or stabilize relations, which have been on the downside ever since the great balloon controversy of last February. But, you know, it's an interesting time in Taiwan because we're coming up on presidential elections in Taiwan in January. And there's one candidate who right now I think is leading the polls who seems to be pretty outspoken about pushing for Taiwan independence. If he were elected and would push that idea, that could raise the whole issue of Taiwan into a greater crisis and greater problems than we even have right now. No question about that. And before we leave Ukraine, I wanted to ask about, I know there was some U.S. aircraft made available, a fighter Uh, planes made available, and there was training that needed to take place before those would be operational. Where does that stand right now with the Ukrainian Army? This is the F-16s, and the uh, training of Ukrainian pilots to operate the F-16 has begun at several locations uh, in the last few months. I think we can expect them to be formally operational probably sometime early in the new year, maybe around the 1st of March. Uh, That'll be a significant improvement in the Ukrainian Air Force but will not be a deal changer just because the number of aircraft, which I think is only like 50 or 60 total, will not be that overwhelming. But that being said, you know, as we often look at this ongoing counteroffensive by the Ukrainians, and many people have been critical that it hasn't gone as rapidly as they would like or expect, it's interesting to me because I don't recall a successful offensive when the other side had air superiority, which the Russians certainly have enjoyed since this war began. We are visiting with Colonel Jeff McCausland, CBS News military analyst. He joins us on the Quiver River Electric Guest Line. And, Colonel, today is the start of the ceasefire as it relates to uh, returning of some hostages uh, and the conflict going on between Israel, Palestine, Hamas. Uh, Any word yet on whether or not this has been a successful ceasefire? And in in the history of military, do, do ceasefires ever work? Well, they work, but work, you know, with a question mark behind them. I mean, will there be accusations of violation of the ceasefire? And the answer is, of course, there will. you got all these guys who are very heavily armed. Many of them are young on the Hamas side, probably not that well trained. Are they going to cook off a few rounds here or there? Sure. Does this also mean Hamas has total control over all its fighters? 
Some are part of Islamic Jihad and other groups. Oh, by the way, it seems to me we're not paying enough attention to the whether or not this ceasefire also means that we don't see fighting between Hezbollah in, uh, in southern Lebanon and Israeli forces, which have been going on and seemingly intensifying over the last few days. Does Yemen uh, respect this ceasefire? Because, oh, by the way, they've fired a couple of missiles at Israel since this conflict began and have interned a ship. We've got some seamen who are now hostages in Yemen. And do we see a ceasefire in Iraq and Syria, where we've seen Shiite militia groups supported by Iran ostensibly attacking U.S. bases as part of this larger uh, larger conflict across the Middle East? So will the, will the pause or ceasefire, whatever you want to call it, extend to there? But the recent reports I have is that the 13 Israeli hostages uh, are being released. Uh, the last few minutes, I've learned they've been transferred into Egypt. It's reported they are largely, if not exclusively, women and children. Uh, unclear if any of those including are included in American, because we know that there's one American child, a four, it will be four-year-olds today, who is being held hostage uh, by Hamas, her parents having been killed when Hamas made their attack back on the 7th of October. Yeah, do we have any idea um, how many of the hostages are still living? I guess we probably don't, right? We don't. I mean, the numbers that are released, I've heard about 237 or so total, are all those held by Hamas. Some might be held by Islamic Jihad. There have been some suggestions some may be held actually by criminal groups in the Gaza Strip. As part of this agreement, supposedly Hamas is uh, supposed to allow access to the hostages by the International Red Cross, the Red Crescent, which is the Middle Eastern version of the Red Cross. So that'll be a very interesting thing to my mind to see if we get a complete accountability of who Hamas says they're holding, what their condition is uh, as we move ahead. He is Colonel Jeff McCausland, CBS News military analyst, kind enough to join us here on KMOX. Colonel, before we let you go, we know you're headed to uh, Thanksgiving. What pie will it be for Colonel Jeff McCausland tonight? Oh, it'll be pumpkin for sure. Without a doubt, pumpkin pie. And let me give a big, I've got a lot of friends and relatives there in the St. Louis area, so I'd like to wish them all a very, very happy and safe Thanksgiving holiday weekend. There it is, Colonel Jeff McCausland. Happy Thanksgiving, Great he says, stuff. to St. Louis. Appreciate you being with us. Jeff, and hey, when we come back, we'll have the Air Force uh, marching band. You're going to want to hear this after this on KMOX. They're playing basketball. It's Mims Billikens basketball action Saturday as they take on Dartmouth. Pre-game 645, tip at 7 on your home for Billikens basketball. KMOX. And welcome back to KMOX, the Hancock and Kelly Show. We are joined in studio by Major Justin Lewis, who's the commander of the United States Air Force Band of Mid-America, right here at Scott Air Force Base in St. Louis. Major, welcome to KMOX. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Yeah, and you are a part of the uh, United States Air Force Band of Mid-America. What do you all do? So my job is to wave the baton. Uh, but we have uh, some amazing musicians who connect with the American people, who honor our veterans and inspire young people to serve in our Air Force. And we're really excited to make that connection all the time. It's a great opportunity for us to just show what the Air Force is doing, what all the airmen are doing around the world. 
Yeah, and the young men and women that are in this room today, were they recruited specifically to be in the band, or you know, did they just show up at basic training and somebody found out they played an yeah, instrument? There are a couple hundred jobs you can do in the Air Force. Uh, anything that, that interests you, there's something that connects with it. And these guys, uh, they're patriotic. You know, They want to serve their country, but they're also fantastic musicians. So, yeah, we, we put out auditions, and they'll come and actually audition for us like you'd see on you know, the old American Idol or whatever. And uh, when they're fantastic, uh, we'll, we'll give them a form and they go off to basic training. And, and yeah, it's, it's a great, great opportunity for them to serve in a unique way. So obviously this time of year, you guys are going to do concerts and we're going to talk a little bit about your concerts because you've got a bunch of them across St. Louis and Absolutely. people can access them. And more importantly, they're free. But what do these men and women do and what do you as this traveling band do on a daily basis? So, you know, military music has been a part of our heritage uh, since our, the founding of our country, frankly. And uh, whether it's booing up the troops, whether it's uh, working with ambassadors overseas in order to sort of share American culture to make friends uh, for our foreign policy objectives, or just right here at home, you know, honoring our veterans and performing at funerals for uh, thousands and thousands of, of men and women who have died uh, serving our country or or who have done that in an honorable way over the years, um, it's it's a great opportunity for us to really get out there and use music to do so. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, of course, we've got uh, a bunch of uh, military cemeteries here. Yeah. You are the folks who would be playing taps and the other music at funerals, etc.? Correct. That's exactly right. And then, of course, this time of year, you uh, come around and you have your Christmas concert series. Tell us a little bit about what you guys are up to. So for the past 70-plus years, uh, the Air Force Band has been here in the St. Louis metro area, and we do, uh, you know, as a... I, I wanted to say we're the official uh, Christmas band or the, the holiday band of, of the local area so, because we, we do these holiday concerts. We say thank you for the community, uh, for all the great support that they provide to the airmen um, at Scott Air Force Base and beyond. Uh, but this year, we're just all around. So 1st of December, we're at the Kirkwood Performing Arts Center. 2nd uh, of December, we're at the Two Hill Performing Arts Center. 8-9, uh, we're over at McKendree University at the Hettenhausen Performing Arts Center. And then that last week, we've still got a bunch of tickets left over for Mascuda High School uh, over in the Illinois side. And uh, we're we're really excited to make connections with folks at these concerts. Yeah, and the first part of December, you have several concerts, some of them in the middle of the day and some of them in the evening. That's right. If people wanted to get tickets, and these are all free, where could they go? Uh, AF Band. Ticks, that's T-I-X, AFBandTicks.com. How long have you been in the Air Force? Uh, almost 12 years. How long have you been heading up this musical group? Oh, my goodness. I came here three and a half years ago. It was during the pandemic, uh, so we got a kind of a slow start at getting to know everybody. We were all locked in our houses and all that, but uh, it's been a wonderful experience for me and my wife and five kids to live here in the metro area. We, we absolutely love it here. We've taken advantage of everything that there is to do here in the St. Louis area. You know, we have a zoo and it's free. Oh, I'll tell you what. We, so it's the week all our families coming to visit. Bunch of people, family coming over this week. And so we're really excited to take advantage of the zoo and everything else with the cousins and just a really, really great area. Okay, so how long is it uh, a normal tour for uh, someone who... Is in the Air Force. They join the uh, the band. Uh, uh-huh. The band. Yeah. What would there be their typical tour? Two years, three years, ten yeah, years? Yeah. So they sign up for four years. Uh, we have actually one of the highest retention rates in the entire Air Force because folks love making this connection. They love m- making the music and they love doing good things uh, for their country through that music. So it's it's a great gig, and uh, people can um, re up uh, up to you know twenty or even thirty years if they choose. That's this is so awesome. Your your, your uh, play has been incredible. Let's listen now to uh, the team play "Ding Dong Merrily on High." 
Justin, that was incredible. Uh, We've got, what, eight, nine uh, instruments here. How many instruments are typically in the band? You know, if this studio were a little bigger, we would have brought all 60 musicians from the Air Force Band, but we we just couldn't crowd them in today. So we brought you the brass quintet, uh, but we do have, you know, oboes and flutes and folks that do... Lots of special instruments on the holiday show. We got somebody playing ukulele, which is going to be kind of fun. Um, so just a lot of talented people do a lot of really great things. Wow, this is—it's just incredible. Now, how uh, much of travel is there with this? And do you wind up going to other cities and and playing with their symphony orchestras? We, or we actually have members of uh, this band right now who are traveling overseas. Um, representing, working with the U.S. State Department to make friends for the United States. So we have folks right now at the Dubai Air Show, um, and and so we're just all over the place, uh, trying to trying to make friends uh, for not just the United States, but its Air Force. He is Justin Fields. He's the major who leads the United States Air Force Band of Mid-America from right here at Scott Air Force Base in San Luis. Give us that website one more time for all these free concerts. Yeah, get those free tickets, AFBandTIX, that's ticks.com. We have uh, several of you with the Mid-America Air Force Band here in St. Louis today. Uh, headquartered at Scott Air Force Base. Please take a moment to introduce yourself, where you're from, and what instrument you play. Hello. I'm Airman First Class Jonah Kelly. I'm from Nebraska, and I'm a trumpet player. 
Uh, I'm Master Sergeant Brenna Hyatt, the other trumpet player in our brass quintet. I'm originally from Pella, Iowa. I'm Airman's First Class Nick Mahalik. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, and I'm the trombone player. I'm Technical Sergeant Laura Pojar. I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I play percussion. My name is Airman First Class Bruno Gutierrez. I'm a tuba player from Laredo, Texas. My name is Staff Sergeant Abigail Merton. I'm originally from Johnsburg, Illinois, and I am the horn player and NCOIC of Airlifter Brass. Wow. Generally, most of you are from the Midwest. We have West. We have one Texan. We won't hold it against you. <laughs> um, and uh, how long have you uh, typically been doing this? Two, four years? I'm the big winner. I'm almost at 21. Oh, my goodness. Really? You look like you're 12. <laughs> yeah, twenty-one years. Yep, that's incredible. I've been in uh, just a little over two months. And, so, and, and when you all signed up for the military, did you know specifically that you were going to go into playing music, or were you hoping to be Top Top Gun or something? Right. So um, almost all of our members of the Band of Mid America have some kind of uh, music degree. So most of us went to school, went to college, um, and have. Um, one, if not more, degrees in music. And um, the Air Force band program has auditions just, you know, like any other major um, professional music organization. And everybody comes to applies and comes to a specific audition um, to become a part of the Air Force band's program. So, yes, we all came into the audition knowing we wanted to, you know, be musicians in the Air Force. And then, you know, you have to go through the whole process, win the job, and then you go to basic training. And this is what we do full time. That's awesome. Have uh, any of you, obviously, you're playing in this group, and I know you trumpet players probably get a little extra work playing taps, right, at most of the funerals? Mm -hmm. um, what um, Have you had to play for the President of the United States or any of their dignitaries? I have. Uh, when I was stationed at Travis, I played for President Reagan's internment ceremony out at Simi Valley. Uh, and then sometimes... Um, if a president passes and they need help with the band that supports that mission, they'll bring members from other bands to help support. So I was also part of the Bush internment down in Texas a few years ago. Wow, that's special. And here you are uh, now. Uh, St. Louis is your main base that you all are hanging out at over at, uh, what, at Scott Air Force Base? Yes, sir. So will Christmas be relaxed with your own families, or are you going to be running around the country still playing music? Uh, I'll be going home to visit my family. Down in Texas? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We have a pretty busy concert season leading up to Christmas, but then kind of the way it works with our Christmas leave, it's hard to uh, obviously rehearse as a group if one or two members are gone. So we take our leave from our squadron in kind of a block leave. So after we have our busy Christmas performance season, most of us take about two weeks of leave. Wow. Incredible. Well, you've got time for one more song with us. Will you guys play We Wish You a Merry Christmas? We'd love, love to. to. <laughs> awesome. Here we go. We wish you a Merry Christmas.
the KMOX Newsroom, national winner of the Edward R. Murrow Award for Best Newscast in America. And welcome back to the Hancock and Kelly Show. Hey, no worries. We're going to stick around till almost 11 o'clock visiting with our good friend Chris Ranji. He's running solo today. No Amy. No, yeah, but Brad Young from the law oh. firm of Harris, Dow, Fisher, and Young is going to be right, right here in these very studios. How about that? Well, listen, don't forget that you can still see Hancock and Kelly, the television show, on Sunday mornings at 8.30 on Fox 2 in St. Louis. We do that show with Andy Banker. I'm interested to see Andy. I've not seen him since the incident where the people were shooting the pellet gun at him, John. Did you see that? It was horrible. Uh, and imagine, because you don't know it's a pellet gun. You see oh. somebody sticking something out the window and you hear, tut, 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 tut. I mean, that's scary stuff. Yeah, so we're going to have that. We'll cover that on our Sunday show as well. And then Monday evening, we'll come back here for Hancock and Kelly Late Night from 8 to 10 p.m. Monday evening. We do try to do a non-political show, talk to you about the comings and goings of St. Louis and things that are a burr under each of our saddles. Yeah, and we'll have our sports insider with us on Monday night as we Yeah, John do. Hancock Jr., will he still be in town or is he going to be headed back He's to the City? He's headed back uh, tomorrow, so uh, I take him yeah. to the airport. It's been great. He's been home all week, so it's been uh, absolutely wonderful. Yesterday, you sent me a video almost at the exact same time I was experiencing the same thing, and that was uh, young Kennedy yes. from my family was uh, the star of the show yesterday, John. She's about oh, 17, 18 months old, yeah. got her teeth. Yeah. She was kind of feeding her, feeling herself around the room. Uh, and, of course, man, it's hard not to to smile and watch those little people. And you sent me a video of young Tula. She was playing with old Papa, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, Papa and Tula were in the backyard uh, uh, playing ball, and she was throwing their balls into the uh, – fire pit and i told her not to do that and she would just laugh and uh, put the balls in the fire pit uh, sounds like she and i have a lot in common yeah yeah but well, how precious and what a blessing man having that little granddaughter well, uh it's gonna and it's still too early for her to fully grasp christmas but christmas is gonna be fun with an oh. almost two-year-old and that uh you know santa claus is coming well i'm married to mrs claus so it's impossible not to enjoy christmas no matter your age and uh so yeah, we Georgian stocked up on the Christmas books, and we're reading a bunch of Christmas books to young Tula, and it's going to be a, a magical year here, a magical month. Well, happy Thanksgiving to all of you who've uh, listened to us this morning. We're going to stick around with Chris Ranji. If you're out shopping, be careful. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, we've only got a little less than uh, a month till Christmas, so get out there, do your shopping, get ready. It's Hancock and Kelly. Uh, we'll take you all the way. Till we, 11. We will indeed. Thanks so much for listening. James O'Sullivan doing his usual great job on the board this morning. It's Chris Ranji and Brad Young next on KMOX. Adios.